All right, here's what my title of this morning's message is, and it's simply this. What matters most? And I know in all our little Christian American heads what's going on, but I hope that you uh, settle in, give God your good eye and your good ear, and that you can pay attention simply to the Word of God. The Word of God is called a plumb line because we as people, we get out of plumb. We just do. Our problem comes is when we deny it or we try to make another gospel so we look like we're plumb. Just take it on the face if it happens. And also we're called to self-exam. I don't know if we do that very good. You know, you could be burning up with 190 degree temperature and you'll tell everybody, I'm all right. I'm all right. So we're just going to trust the spirit of Almighty God. So I have some possible answers for you this morning. Like what is most important? Some people, getting married. I mean, we just talked about 66 years. I mean, that is quite a blessing to be married that long. Some is like getting married. Some of you are probably close to getting married. That's high on your list. Others, it could be your children. We know that that's a big, important subject to most people. Others can be their job. We know that some really get into the job thing. And, you know, maybe one or two jobs or trying to perfect the job. Others, it could be your weight. So it's your exercise. Don't get in the way of my exercise. Others of you, it's that golf game. Tis the season where you can, it's most important. They're all shinied up and probably been already used a few times. Obviously, to most of you, it's the Buckeyes. I don't get that one, but Buckeyes could be. And to the majority of you, it's Facebook. Oh, yes, so important. I even had these pop up on my phone, and I look at my wife because I know I would never do that. Pinterest. What is Pinterest? I have no interest in Pinterest. And it pops up and says, Sally, Susie, and Lori are following you. And it's like, what? Pinterest. What's important to you? Obviously, to a lot of us guys, it's fishing. You know, and to our young girls, we can just have a boyfriend. A boyfriend, things that can be very important, various parts. The key to life is finding out what really matters most and building your life around it. I hope it's not the Buckeyes. I mean, it could be important. I'm not telling you that that's not important. I love football, I love sports, but we live definitely, we live in an age of distractions, don't we? Everybody in the world is grabbing for your attention. Everybody is lobbying for your time. Be this, do that, soccer, dance, coach ball. Grandchildren. I mean, grandchildren come in, they're about the sweetest thing there is, but they demand your time. A lot of it at times. So there are so many good things to just uh, keep up with. Church activities, friends, hobbies, various things that go on. But what's most important, seriously? Now, I was even going to tell you, in fact, maybe I will anyway, because I'm going to try to explain this simple, true life gospel principle to a bunch of busy American Christians. So you probably don't have time for this. You probably don't. Busyness seems to be some kind of reassurance to us. It's like a, a, a hedge against emptiness. I'm busy. I'm important. Obviously, my life can't be trivial. I mean, I'm busy every minute of my day. I'm so busy. Right? Yeah. 
Aren't you? So, so, so busy. I can't help but wonder whether all this running around is, isn't a way of covering up for the fact that most of what we do doesn't matter. Do the Buckeyes matter? Uh, you should have been with me all my life and my 45 years, I think it is now, of serving God and being called out at 3 in the morning, going to a house where someone's just died or about to die. And you walk past their Buckeyes, and you walk past their car, and their nice flowers, and beautiful home, and you sit there and you just think, what in the world matters Amen. to us busy Americans? And maybe you'll come to my house someday, in the wee hours in the morning, if Ruthie calls you, you walk past our nice flowers, you'll walk past, and you'll think, hmm, What? So after a while, we, we kind of feel frantic, you know, we spread thin, wondering if whatever we do makes a difference. Now listen to this. I read this in a book, and I thought this was awesome. Our greatest fear should not be of failure. Really, it shouldn't. But of success. It should be of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Do you understand what that says? If you succeed at something, your effort, your talent, your time, your money, your intellect, you succeed at it and it's blossoming and it's going, yet in the scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It's taken all your time, wealth, energy, abilities, maybe families. See, it's not failure. You should be like, if I do this, I might fail. No, it's, a, it's of succeeding at something that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter matter. Think. Think, church. Think of that this morning. So, obviously, what does matter? What matters most? I know your little Christian heads are going, but here's the answer to this. Is if you really want to know the answer, your life, your everyday life answers that question. What really, 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 really matters to you? Yes, it does. Your life does. What do you get most excited about? Deer season is right around the corner and you're polishing your bullets even. Or how do I use my time? If I want to get a hold of someone in here, maybe my first uh, thought would be call the golf course or call the gym. Something, I can't even think of what, to find out where you most likely are. Call that garage. He's in that garage. I know he is. So where do you spend your time? Or you know what the other one is, what do you do with all the money God has given you? What do you spend your money on? Mostly. These answer your questions of what's most important to you. They do. What do you get most excited for? How do you use your time? Where do I spend my money? So the question is, what are you building your life around? You know, I know when you're young, you don't think life is a vapor. But saints, is it a vapor? Cheapers. I, I remember being young and used to, you know, what's that scripture say? Uh, run through a wall and jump over a troop or jump over a wall and run through a troop. And 
Yes, I would do that. Now I feel like the walls fall on me and the troop watches on me. Because just strength, you don't have the strength you used to. And at 215, I'm ready. I'm ready to be Mexican and take my siesta, put on my sombrero, kick back, and don't bother me for about a half an hour because I need that to maintain the rest of the day. Well, how did that happen? Time goes by. So what's most important? What are you building your life around? I hope it's not your children. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm not saying don't read into things. So what are you building your life around? Is it your career? Is it your relationships? Some people can't exist without 1,559 friends. Just check my Facebook. Serious. Or maybe it's your children or what people think of you. Could it be that? There's all kinds of distractions and things that really trick us. So to understand what really matters, we need to look at the person who claims to be the source of life. Now you're going, ah, okay. I mean, this is church, right? This is what we're supposed to be talking about. The source of life. So let's look at Scripture. John 14, 6. Turn there. Jesus said, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Okay? Christ is going to start to make some tremendous claims here. So many people in the world today are saying, I'm the way, this is the way, that's the way. Christ himself says, I am the way. We know that truth has fallen in America for sure. You can't trust presidents. You can't trust Congress. You can't trust a senator. You can't trust your neighbor. You really don't even can't trust yourself. It seems like truth has fallen. Does anybody tell the truth? When somebody obviously gets absolutely red-handedly busted, what do they do? I didn't do that. It's from, from your three-year-old who can just start to talk to the 103-year-old. We never admit guilt, never at all, so we just lie. Truth has definitely fallen in the streets. But look at this next one. He says, Jesus said unto them, I am life. I am the truth, the way, and life. No man comes unto the Father but me. Jesus is saying, I am the absolute fullness of life. Does that sound important to you? Does that sound important? Now, to the the world and to those who are not serving God or even looking to, that doesn't have any grip, no clout at all. But how about people of God? Christ is saying, I am the absolute fullness of life. Not your job, not your children, not your grandchildren, although they're awesome. They're not the fullness. They can't sustain you. They can't give you, protect you, life. They can't. Now John 1.4 goes on and says something else. In him, in Christ, was life. This absolute fullness of life is in him. Look what it says here. And the life was the light of men. Does that sound important to you? What does that even mean? Christ is life, and that life is the light to me. Does, does, that sound, does that sound like something I should 
devote my life to or possibly build my life around, which includes my wife and family and job and relationships, grandchildren. Is it? So what's that mean? Look, you and I probably live more carnal than spiritual. I hate saying that. I almost didn't write that down, but I still think it's true. And I'm pastor. I, I still think it's true and because, uh, example, I'm not talking about lusting over women, and I'm just talking about simply sweating over bills and water and raiment and clothing. And, well, that's the way carnal people think. The Lord even told us. We're not supposed to think that way. So Jesus is the absolute fullness of life. And that fullness of life is the light of men. Hang on to that. And the light of man is the power of understanding moral and spiritual truth. The power to understand what really matters. Jesus said, you get me, you get that in me, my concepts in you, my kingdom in you, you'll start to get it. You'll start to understand what truly is life. He's saying, if you get that absolute fullness of life in you that I am proclaiming, I am, it will light up your world. And you'll start to see, oh, the, this shouldn't be number one in my life. It's important. I think Isaac was telling me he has a ball game today. Well, we're going to do our best to get there. But it, it, it's got to find its place where it belongs in this kingdom of God. And without the Lord, fullness of his light shining to that, we wouldn't know that. So what is the one thing that Jesus couldn't stop talking about? And again, I know your little Christian brains like mine are going, you're going to say, faith. Faith in God. It's a good answer. That's not the one I was looking for. I got it, I got it. Sin. Or hell. He preached more on hell. Those are all true. All this stuff is true. Or being part of a church. Oh, absolutely true. That's still not the answer that I'm looking at. Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than anything else. What's that mean to you? He talked more about the kingdom of God, the principles of God, how to run your affairs of your life and family, business, money, friends, enemies. He talked more about the kingdom of God than anything. When Jesus began his ministry, the first words out of his mouth were what? Mark 1.14 says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Preaching the principles of God. How you should live, how you should, what you should build your life around. From forgiveness to salvation to all inside. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. What's that mean to you? Just a clever way of a preacher titling his message. No, no it wasn't. 
Luke 6 says, And he lifted up his eyes on his, on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Again, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. That's what he spoke of. Luke 9, 60 says, Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. You see, things of the world, whatever it is, Buckeyes, Pinterest, Steelers, whatever, I don't care what your name. God calls them dead. It's just dead stuff of the world. Let the dead deal with that. You have a commission for me. Go preach the kingdom of God. And God's not talking about all of you lining up to go be in a Bible school and become a pastor. It's not what he's talking about. It's not. Luke 21, 31 says, So likewise, ye, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh. The kingdom of God. When someone who is wretched and broken and uh, all kinds of sin or whatever it is, you, before you came to Christ, and you see the transformation, you can say, my gosh, the kingdom of God is nigh. I've seen it. I've seen the principles in the kingdom of God take effect in the countenance of this person. Once dead, now alive. Jesus says, go preach that. Build your life around that. Kingdom of God has come. That's what he's saying to you and I. Not just meandering, life swinging on a hammock or a pair of roller skates. You just whatever you do, you do. No. That's why our nation is in such terrible shape. Luke 18, 25 says, For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for the rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Everything was about the kingdom of God with the Lord. More on that than anything else. Now look, the Lord gave his followers, you and I, many commandments, did he not? Love one another, God, for all the commandments you want to think of. But there's only one thing, one thing in the entire Bible he said to seek first. Gave you a bunch of commandments. One that he told you. What is it? Could that be important? I mean, if you go to a man or a woman called a doctor because they have things hanging on the wall and they spend lots of money to get them. And he says, this one thing you better do. Are you going to walk out and go, Usually if you do, we end up having a funeral service eventually for you. If God, all his commandments, said one thing for you and I to seek, you have X amount of time on this earth, whatever it is, some have 50, some seem to have 100 years, some have 8. Whatever it is, you have X amount of years on this earth, and there's going to be a number of people that are going to come through you and with you and around you. And the Lord said this, one thing do, seek the kingdom of God. He didn't tell you to memorize the Ten Commandments. He didn't tell you to memorize the book of Romans. Nothing wrong with that. But he did tell you, seek first the kingdom of God. That's what he told us. Matthew 6 tells us, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? 
What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? The things of the world. That's the natural way of thinking. We do that. We fall into that. I do that. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now listen, it doesn't say your heavenly Father considers them ridiculous, silly, and foolish for you to even spend your time thinking of that. He doesn't say that. He says, for your heavenly Father knoweth. He knoweth that you have need of these things. He knows. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. Uh, you could have full-blown storms, snow flying everywhere, and deer just walk around like it doesn't even bother them. I'm always thinking, how come their hooves or whatever you want to call them, their feet aren't frozen off? I can't go to the mailbox without putting 15 things on, right? And yet they're just out there. You'll see them, horses, cows, laying down, whatever, and these storms or those big bison and Yellowstone. They can't, you know, they're from black to white because of the snow and nothing. So they're just out there. You do that. God has made us to be. God says, I, I know. I understand. I made you. I understand how flawed you are. You're not made to jump very good or to fall very good, are we? We get busted up. I mean, you ever see a deer leap? It's unbelievable. We get busted up. We can't. So God says, I know that you have need. So, but here's what he tells us. I understand all that. I know that. You can't be going to the heavenly father. So, but you don't know how thirsty I get. You don't know how those kids, I got shoes, their feet grow every day. God says, you're telling me? I know that. I made you. I created you. But here's what I'm telling you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God. This is where it's hard, busy American Christians. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Listen, and all these things shall be added unto you. God says, give my work preeminence. And everything you need will be taken care of. Not everything you want, everything you need. And all these things will be added. If you build your life around these principles that I'm telling you to seek. I mean, if you're a true man like me, wife will say, go to the kitchen, second drawer down, and get those uh, pot holders. And I could be in every drawer. I only have one kitchen, so I can't mess that up. And say what? Oh, I can't find your pot holders. And then normally what happens? <laughs> Knowing I didn't, I might have looked, meandered. You know what happens? Why Really why I didn't find them? Because they weren't that important to me. For me to seek. There's a difference between seeking and coming and singing. There's a difference between uh, worshiping or singing, being faithful or coming. I mean, there just is. There is. 
And so the Lord gave us one thing that we are to seek, and that's His kingdom. He said, give this preeminence in your life. Give it. Now here's this. How many American Christians are really doing that? Really seeking the kingdom. Well, we go to church. We'll sing. You know what? But how many of you are really saying, you know what? This is the only thing he's told us to seek. Really understanding the impact of that scripture. I don't, I, probably not. Jesus commands us to seek first the kingdom of God. It's a command. You're going to stand before this one who made that command to you and I. Look, like I said, it wasn't a fancy sermon title. You know what this was? This was just a simple answer to all his disciples who were saying, we left everything. I have three kids. I, I remember when I was finding out about the Lord and being stirred about God and, and then even knew about pastoring and, and uh, possibly doing that. I already had four children. I already had myself doomed. There's no way. Who the heck's going to want you with four children? It's impossible. You have four children and a wife. You'll be working until your face falls off. You can't. This is, what I'm, this is what we do, do we not? There's, it's just great. They're, they're great. I'm glad we have them. But if I'd have known better, I'd have thought better, I'd have planned better. I'd, it's, oh, well. What am I going to do? That's what they were doing. And Jesus simply said to them, oh, hold up. Just seek me first. Listen to me, disciples. I know what you need. Where do you think them children came from? I gave you them children. I know what you need. That's what he was saying to his disciples who were undone. I mean, I got cereal to buy. I got milk. I got all these kids. He was like, relax. I know. Seek you first. Build your life first around my principles, my kingdom, and that stuff will come. It'll come as you need it. The kingdom of God is not in competition with what you're doing. You're going right now, oh, I spent my whole life building up this business. Now you're telling me i got to do this. That's the carnal way of thinking, just something else on your list. You understand, by putting Christ first and the kingdom principles first, all that's going to do is enhance and make everything else better than what you have now. Everything, job, relationships, wife, children, it's not another load of bricks on you. It takes them all off and it makes them all better. When you seek God first and the principles first. But we don't get that. C.S. Lewis, a lot of you read his book, said, When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed but increased. Your work will be better. Your attitudes will be better. Everything about it will be better when Christ is first, when the kingdom principles are put first, and you build your life around it. It becomes better. See, the enemy tricks us and saying, oh, it's just another thing, Pastor. It's just another plate you want me to spin. I just can't do it anymore. That's the carnal way of thinking. So... Let me simply ask you again, what's the center of your life? 
What is the greatest gravitational pull in your life? I know kids pull a lot. They do. What's the greatest? Listen how awesome our God is. I just wrote this scripture down, Colossians 1, 15. Sometimes we read scripture too fast. It simply says, who is the image of the invisible God? Christ is. His book, his Bible, full of pictures of him. It's a picture of Heavenly Father. What's Almighty God look like? Check out Jesus. Check him out. Look, he's a picture of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. For by him, listen, this is the one that's telling you to seek me first, and I know what your needs are. I know. I know your daughter's trying out for this, and I know your son's trying out for that, and I know it's. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him that told you, Zach, spend your life preaching the kingdom of God. Build it around these principles. Because I know what you have need of. And Colossians 1.16 tells you how awesome his ability is. What is it when you want a job and you have to fill out a what? So you, you say, Lord, I don't know. Can I trust you? Fill out your application. What kind of experience do you have? He goes, well, everything in the earth, everything under the earth, everything in heaven, everything visible and invisible, I did it for you. And you have to sit there and say, hired. Right? Why would you not hire gets even better. 17 says, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He's before all things, and by him everything that you need, our little itsy bitsy lives. He says, by him all things consist, by me. By me, everything consists. He is the head of the body. What body? The church. We're the body, and he's the head. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Remember? That's what Easter is all about. That in all things he might have the preeminence. I want to be first. Okay, first. What do you want me to do? Just tell me. Okay. Seek ye first my kingdom. That's all he told you. I'm not giving you a big list today. That's what he told you to do. 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him should, what? All fullness dwell. In the one you're going to trust. Oh, you don't know, Pastor, I got all these kids. Maybe I don't know. But I'm not the one in all things consist. Don't check out my application. It's pretty pathetic. Jesus concentrated the life of those, or he, this long run, he contrasted the life of those who do not know God 
and are separated from him with those who do know God and receive his loving care. There's a big difference because he's saying those who know God should be seeking something different. They should be. If, I don't know, who's the Green Bay Packers quarterback? What's his name? If Aaron Rodgers gets $130 million, then the next quarterback's got to get $131 million so he can be called the... That stuff's dead, God said. That, that's just nothing. Here's, here's an example. We really have to choose, we really ever have to choose between honoring God loving our families, or being a good worker. Really. But listen, we honor God and seek first the kingdom of God by being a good husband and being a good worker. Understand? What's with you? You don't have to do that. But because your love for God and the principles for God makes you do that, causes you to do it, wants you to do it. You're honoring God, the principles of God. You're building your life around that. All the world that's dead going, what are you, what are you doing? You don't have to sweep that up. Or your wife and how you treat your wife. How you treat your wife. We had just had National Day of Prayer. I think it was Mike Bullock. Did he tell us almost 70% of Muskingum County ends up in divorce? 50% of the church ends up in divorce. Could it be they're not seeking? Oh, that, yeah, they're seeking their own kingdom. They're seeking their kingdom. Now, here's a kind of a little funny example. And it just dawned on me. I mean, I've been reading this book off and on. My son sent it to me, come from his church. Good book. Loved the first chapter. I thought, man, that's so good. I'm going to wrap some type of message and share that with because it's, it's seeking the kingdom of God, building the right uh, building blocks for your life. So this one day, you know how it rains every other day or every other hour, and if you miss your window to cut grass, it's, oh, right? Your grass is just going outside the lawnmower. You cause more worse than just letting it grow, but you can't let it grow because it's going to rain again. You got to cut that thing, Right? Okay, up the door sheds go out, throw that thing in reverse, and I'm going. It's like, what? This just got the lawnmower a year ago. Front left, flatter than a pancake. I said, that's no big deal. Just pop that off, run it down to the, they'll put a plug in it. And that's what was going on. I was going, life is good, Lord. Thank you. I've got to hurry up and get this done because it's going to rain. And, you know, oh, I just got to get this grass cut because then I got to preach tomorrow, run here tomorrow, do that tomorrow, and Addison's coming, and I got to do. It's just this one window. Puts that plug in, pumps it up. So I'm like, well, glory. What's this all about? This is the attendant just down here where they do that fast oil change. Nice guy. And he goes, oh, man, this plug won't work because your tire's not punctured. It's sliced. Now, great. It's sliced. So, okay, so I run around, because they couldn't. I run around the area. I probably, you probably already know one, but too bad I didn't call you. But 
Who will change this front left? It's like this big. Well, I might as well have been asking them all to drink Drano. <laughs> Seriously, that guy told me I would rather change the biggest truck tire than to even attempt to change those. I hate those. No. <laughs> so I got this flat tire, and the guy did say to me, when you, you pick up the new tire, if you can't get anybody, because he knew what was going on, he said, I'll try. So, the, you know, and all the time the clouds are forming. It's getting like this, and I'm going, it's going to be horrible. So I go there. He's wrestling. I mean, it's only this big. So you're, you're trying to put your knee on it, and then you've got to use this big bar. You've got to try to turn, and the tire flips and falls over and goes. So now it's me and him going at it, and I can't bend too good. I really can't, so I'm looking for things to sit on. I build up, it's the truth, I'm, I'm making my point. I build up wooden blocks to sit on because I can't bend. Like We're both going like this, and, and he's pulling like this, and I almost hit him in the face because it slipped off, and oh, it was. And then, if you've ever been there, you, if you're going to get your oil changed, you pull up to the door, and it goes, ding, ding. And that's what we heard, and he goes, oh, sorry, buddy, i got to just quit and do this person. I'm like, okay, because he's trying hard. So I go and sit by the person that's getting their oil changed. You know, and they're just, to me, they're just taking so much time. It's, I want to tell them, hurry up. It's, it's the truth. It's the truth. And so I'm praying, Lord, don't let anybody come. Lord, as if they can't see the door. I'm by the door now. Lord, don't let anybody come. That's truth. And I walk down person's paying, sit down, I'm thinking, yes, and all of a sudden, what happens? Ding, ding, <laughs> and I'm going, oh, I'm sunk, this is horrible, inside, not outside, and this guy comes in with a big truck, and it's going to take longer, and everything's worse, and well, try to make it short, the story, he finally pulls out, I mean, it's a big truck, I can't see nothing. He finally pulls out, and that guy's already back at that little tire again. And this time, I walk up to him, and it's off like that. I said, whoa, what happened? How'd you do? What'd you do? He said, that guy just came in. He used to work for City Tire. And he told me a trick to get them off. And it was, you take his vice grip, and you put it there, and it just, it pops right off. So he popped it off, filled up my tire, and I'm driving back, and I'm going, Lord, you took care of my stupid tire. The next guy who I was praying that he would fall off the face of the earth rather than come, God sent in the answer to what I needed to fix the tire, and I'm cutting grass saying, God, you're awesome. You're just too awesome. You care about my stupid lawnmower's tire. That you would just permit that to happen. Do you understand? I don't believe that was coincidence because I was working on this message. As silly as it might sound to you, I believe it. I believe God took care of me and sent someone who I'm praying against. <laughs> no more dings, Lord. Just keep them all away. And the last ding came with the answer. Told that guy, and he happened to work. And he said, I was bottom totem pole guy, and they gave me all those tires to do because no one wanted them 
And I finally figured out an easy way. Clamp it there and zip, it came off. And I'm inside, I'm going, oh, God. And we fret about all this stuff. And God cares about uh, just a lawnmower tire. And guess what? He's no respecter of persons. Because you'll sit there and say, well, it's because you're pastor. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with being pastor. It, uh, it isn't. Nothing at all. And in this book, this was written, and I want to read this to you, please. It says, as we've seen, a kingdom without a king is really not a kingdom at all. It's not. Talking about church, talking about us here. Apart from Christ the king, listen, Christianity becomes a self-help spiritual thing. A hobby. Going to church, oh yeah. A family tradition, we always go to church. Or an escape mechanism from the difficulties of life. Yeah, we do that. Apart from Jesus, doctrine is more theory. What do you think? Yeah, that's what I think. It's more theory, apart from the Lord. Good works become religious badges. And the church turns into a social club without the king. But with Christ the king, the kingdom is unstoppable. Right here. What we have is unstoppable. The kingdom of Jesus can take on the worst evil and suffering the world can throw at it and bring life from death, beauty from ashes, wisdom from folly. Amen? Didn't he do that with you? He did it with me. With Christ as the source and center, the kingdom has abundant life, sacrificial life, and resurrection power. And God says, Chad, if you're going to do anything with your life, seek this first. He knows he has children that are involved in things. He knows Chad likes to hunt. He knows that he's happily married, has a wife. But this is what God is telling him. So here it is in a little bit of maybe plainer language because you could be saying, what is the kingdom? We, if we are taking care of God's business as a priority. I did this long before we were pastor. I didn't even know I was doing something cool. It's just something I found, we found in love with and we were doing it. That's all. Seeking his salvation, living in obedience to him, the best of your knowledge, sharing the good news of the kingdom with others, then he will take care of your business as he promised. God will. No wonder the Lord tells us, seek this first. God is so awesome. He knows the care and the worries and the concern of a 16-year-old to a 69-year-old. It doesn't make any difference to God. He knows it. He knows. Can I have the band back, please, as we get ready? It's attempting, it's a trying to honor Now, I want to share this just hopefully for encouragement. And I don't know how else to share it other than my own personal life. It, because it, it's real. I can testify of it. My wife can. But we'll be married 50 years this year. And there's been ups and downs and lean times and wonders and worries and heartaches and knives going through the backs and all that life 
has that everybody else goes through. <clears throat> when I initially was introduced to this in 74, fell in love with the Lord in 75, 76 and decided to go to Bible school, I was working for UPS, which was a awesome job. It was big money back then, probably still is. We had a home, nice home, three bedroom, two bath, split entry. And Ruth and I just kind of got together, right or wrong. I'm not even saying it was right. Maybe it was a mistake. I don't even know. All I know is now, looking back, sold the house, quit the job, gave my dad a heart attack, went off to Bible school to serve God. This is it. This is what I wanted to do. Now, here I am, 50 years later, and through those 50 years, I didn't know what a portfolio was, didn't have a retirement, no education, had them four children that are growing up, greater demands. And this day, right now, I even asked Ruth, I don't, I don't know how God, how, when did God take care of us? How did this happen? How am I at the end? I don't know how close to the end, but towards the end, and I'm not sweating all this stuff that I, I remember when Jennifer's two hours old, I'm going. And then having all my family, the blessings from God, and thinking, God, I'll never be able to do anything for you. I remember when we first walked down the sidewalk on Brighton Avenue and someone's beeping. I told Ruth, they didn't know you was turning around. We don't know anybody. How did he do it? When did he? How did? But he did it. And all I'm saying is, right or wrong, how we went through it, that's up to you to figure out. But if we ever did anything right, we thought, we're in and serving God. We're in. That is your best investment today. You bring all your chips, your life, your money, your career, your children, your grandchildren, your plans, your ideas, your failures, everything, and you lay them on the altar of God. And just tell them, I'm in, God. And he'll take care of you. Different than me, most likely. But he'll still take care of you.